Showcase Sundays today on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse 11th Annual Season! The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is the seasonal series of radio drama recreations in which producers and actors from the modern age of audio drama recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is open to all producers and creators of modern audio drama to bring to a contemporary audience these classic plays. And now, for the final performance of this 2020 season, we pass the microphone over to the host of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, already seated in his balcony, Mr. David Alt. Thank you, Jack, for another stellar season of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Tonight, sadly, is our final performance as another summer season makes way for autumn here in Nova Scotia. This year, despite pandemics, has been a record-setting year for attendance. And to finish this 2020 season, we have another amazing double feature, beginning with a recreation of The Third Soldier by William Ford Manley, and originally broadcast in a 1928 anthology series called Biblical Dramas. And finally, in the final bookend to our first episode from the Amigos Collective, we have another one from the Amigos and Electric Vicuna Productions with the X-1 classic Junkyard. Junkyard was adapted originally from the Clifford D. Simak short story that go- Oh, <laughs> and that sound is the curtains raising for a final time on this 2020 Summerstock Playhouse season. Thank you and enjoy. Our story tonight is laid in Rome. The dissolute, corrupt Rome of the first century. A realm where men believed neither in their gods nor in themselves. A time when there was no faith, no reverence, no pride. A realm grown fat and slothful, mistress of the world, and yet no longer mistress of her own soul. But even in this time of corruption, there were a few families which held to the sterner, cleaner, braver old tradition of simplicity and self-restraint, and it is in such a home that our story opens. It is not a home of wealth, for the head of the house is one Gracchus, a broken-down former soldier of the Legion, piecing out a living by what work he can find. Now, one night, Gracchus, a man in late middle life, sat by his hearth, staring at the dancing flame with half-closed eyes, when he heard a footstep behind him, and a voice. Well, my good friend Gracchus, Antonius, old comrade, I didn't hear you come in. It's a wonder, for my poor old joints creak so coming up the stairs. I'd think they'd have warned you. Sit down, Antonius. Sit down, old comrade. It's a week since I've seen you. It's getting to be an awful long walk over here to your house for an old fellow like me. Well, neither of us are so young, Antonius. Like we were 30 years ago, when we followed the legions of Caesar to Gaul, to Tarshish, to Egypt, to Judea. Don't mention Judea to me. We were only there a year, Gracchus, but it seemed like a lifetime. There was a dead place for you. By Jupiter, every time I think of it, I can feel the heat, see the dust. Ah, It was a dead place. Ah, It's good to sit down. Where's the wife? Oh, she's down the street. She bought a fish this morning, and she thinks the peddler cheated her, so she's gone to find him. Gracchus, if she's caught the peddler now, <laughs> I pity him. <laughs> so do I. Where's your boy? I don't see him round home anymore. No, home's not good enough for him any longer. He's got to be running around with those friends of his all nights. Well, can't you speak to him? 
I speak to him, but a lot of good it does. Well, after all, Gracchus, you can't hold a young fellow down too much. When I was his age, I'd marched the length of Gaul with the Legion. I'd killed my first man at his age. And so had I. He is a great husky lad, Gracchus. It's a pity he don't want to serve in the Legion. Our old Legion. What's he say when you mention it? He says too much work and not enough pay. And he wants to stay in Rome where he can go the pace. Gracchus, <laughs> I don't know what the young people are coming to. I don't know what Rome is coming to, Antonius. There you said something, Gracchus. Gracchus? Gracchus! Uh, uh, that sounds like my wife. Uh, perhaps I'd better be going, Gracchus. Gracchus! No, don't go, Antonius. Gracchus! Yes, dear. Can't you let me in when my arms are full of bundles? Yes, dear. Right away. Well, it took you long enough to open the door, Gracchus. Good evening, Antonius. You're quite a stranger. Yes. How are you, Lustra? Just all tired out. I suppose Gracchus has told you that he hasn't bought in a penny for a week? No, he... And a man cheated me in the market this morning. And I couldn't find him just now. Well, well, dear. Too bad for you. And everything has gone wrong all day. And of course, I'm the only one in this house who worries about anything. As for Gracchus, Antonius, everything could go to the dogs. And he'd never give it a thought. Would you, Gracchus? Well, Lustra, I... No, you would not. Well, dear, that seems to settle it. Gracchus, do you need such a big fire when we have almost no wood left? Well, I thought anything that would make it a little more cheerful around here. Just burning things up. So wasteful. Sit down, dear. I'm sorry, but I have too much to do to sit here and gossip around the fire. I have work to do. That was a parting shot. Gracchus, she didn't seem to be overcome with joy at seeing me here. That's just her way, Antonius. You have to get used to it. I'm afraid it would take me quite a while. What's that racket outside? Sounds like a mob. Can you see anything, Gracchus? Yes, yes there's, a, there's a crowd of people over yonder. They're making enough noise. And so many of them. I wonder what it can be. They're driving a man before them. Oh, devil. I wonder what he's done. Look over there at the street corner, Antonius. They're flogging him. They're driving him ahead of them. But he's taking it, Gracchus. He's not wincing. By the gods, I'd like to go off there and tell that riffraff that Romans don't. Oh, what's the use of interfering? They wouldn't listen to you. They'd laugh at you. They'd beat you, maybe. Look, Antonius, you can see the man clearly now. He's down. Gracchus, he felt that lash. You heard him cry, but he's risen. He's going on. I wonder who he is, Antonius, and why they persecute him. Oh, to make sport, old comrade. That's the modern Roman way. By the gods, Antonius, it was not our way. When we drew the sword, it was against the enemy worthy of our steel. Well, Gracchus, there's some sport for the mob. I wonder who it is and what he's done. I suppose nothing very much. A runaway slave, maybe, Gracchus, or some poor devil who dared to stand up and say what he believed. <sighs> Antonius, I've seen enough cruelty in my time. I've seen all I want to, and I've not been blameless. But somehow, as I grow older, I weary of it, of its uselessness of its viciousness. We've both seen enough cruelty, old comrade. The Empire was not spread to the ends of the earth by love. Antonius, do you remember the winter we were quartered in Judea? I remember the dust and dirt of it. I wonder if you also remember something else. What? Well, it's a little thing. 
I suppose very few people do remember it. But somehow it's stuck in my mind, and it keeps growing all the time, Antonius. Well, you've got me curious, Gracchus. What was it? Well, we were stationed, as I said, in Judea, near a town. What was it? I can't remember, but that doesn't matter. Go on. And there was a row among the Jews over some man. I can't remember all the details, but the Jews brought him before the Roman governor. Old Pontius Pilate himself, eh? Well, what happened when he came before old Pilate? The Jews said this man claimed to be God. There was a lot of talk, and finally, Pilate turned the man over to them to do as they pleased with. He would, to save himself trouble. What happened then? Don't you remember, Antonius? Don't you remember how our squad from the 7th Company went up the hill over the city with the Jews storming all around us? Up that hill, they called the place of skulls and saw that man crucified. Hmm. I... I don't seem to remember. You say I was there? While you drove the lance into his side to put him out of his agony. I've done that to so many poor creatures, Gracchus. I'm not a man for torture. I wasn't so merciful. I gave him gall when he cried out in his thirst. I can't recall any of it. I've been through so much of that sort of thing. But why? Why do you bring it up? I can't forget it. It's been growing on me. I can remember that man's face as though it were yesterday. I can see him there before me now. And I remember how, as the moment of his death closed in on him, there was a look on his face of triumph, of great triumph, but mostly of forgiveness. And I suddenly felt humble and ashamed of myself and sorry for all the cruelty I'd stood and watched. As, as the evening came, I sneaked away from all of you and went down to my room and tried to sleep, but I couldn't. That face, that face has been coming back every night. Every night, I tell you, it's beginning to, it's beginning to, to do something to me. If he wasn't God. Oh, brace up. An obsession, my dear boy. An obsession. Forget it. Poof, Pilate's dead. Judea's at the other end of the sea. A million men have died in Judea since then. What's one man dead on a cross, 30 years ago? <laughs> I can't forget it. I cannot forget. Gracchus? Yes, dear? It's getting late. Very late. Why hasn't our son come home? You... You mustn't worry about him. I can't help it. He'll come when he's ready to. But he should be here. Gracchus, you must go out. You know I have no influence over him, Lustra. Listen, Gracchus. Hmm? Can't you hear the music from the street? More drunken revelers. The street's full of them all nights. That's the new Roman way. Gracchus, they've stopped outside our house. Open the door and tell them to be gone. I will. Ho! Oh, you good-for-nothings! Get away from my house with your drunken singing. <laughs> Get along now, or I'll, I'll, I'll call the guard. <laughs> you call the guard. Listen to him. The news, Roman Nicole. If I were ten years younger, I'd show you young bloods that. Oh, keep quiet, father. Marius, my son. Close the door, and don't make such a fool of yourself. Marius, this... Is this rabble the best you could do for company? Never mind insulting my friends. Don't listen to my father, comrades. He doesn't mean anything by it. Oh, that's all right, Marius. We know he's a good old scout. And now, boys, thanks for coming here to the house with me. I'll do my best tomorrow. I'll try to make a good showing. Good night to you all. Good night, Marius. We'll all be there to see you. Good night to you. Well, Father, next time my friends come here, be careful what you say. Marius! 
Well, what is it, mother? What are you going to do tomorrow that they all cheered? Oh, nothing much. What is it that you want to make a good showing at, son? I've joined the Corps of Gladiators, and tomorrow I have my first bout. Oh, you can't. You can't. Uh, now, mother, don't make a fuss. But you may be injured, killed, Marius. Well, that's part of the game. But don't worry about danger tomorrow, because there isn't any. No danger, son, in a contest of gladiators. It won't be much of a contest. But I don't understand, son. They have rounded up a number of foreigners, enemies to the emperor and to the gods. And those are the fellows we are going in against. It won't be a fight. It will be an execution, a slaughter. Oh, one of those things, where a lot of poor, untrained, badly armed, half-starved wretches go out against well-trained professional fighters. Well, son, I wonder if you can be very proud of your first fight. Well, father, I'm doing what I'm told to do. No son of mine is going to take part of that cowardly business. I am going to fight tomorrow. Fight? 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 You call that a fight? You call that the way a Roman fights? Marius, I'd rather see you in poverty than in the ranks of the gladiators. But I'd rather see you dead than in the massacre they put on tomorrow. Krakus, that's a wicked thing to say that you'd rather see him dead. It will bring bad luck on us and on our son. Oh, let him talk, mother. Marius, who are these poor creatures that are to be slaughtered? I told you they were foreigners and enemies of the gods. Oh, was it one of them your rabble was driving through the streets early tonight? Yes, and we've put the fear of death in them, alright? They're hiding like rabbits, except a few fools who stand up and defy us, and who say they want to die for their god. <laughs> so, these people have a god they are willing to die for, eh, son? That is more than Rome can boast, for in Rome the gods are dead. What sort of god may he be? Oh, they worship some man who was killed years ago in Judea. In Judea? Yes, in Judea, wherever that is. Say, you were there once, weren't you? Yes, son, I was in Judea. Father, what are you looking at me that way for? Marcus, what is the matter with you? I, I just had a strange feeling. I, I can't explain it. I, I, I thought I saw something over on that wall. Why? Your face is white, and you're trembling. Son, I wish you wouldn't go into that slaughter tomorrow. I beg you not to. I, I beg you. There's enough cruelty in the world and suffering without your adding more. Oh, you talk like a Greek philosopher in the marketplace. I beg you not to go tomorrow. I am going. No, I forbid you, Marius. You forbid me? <laughs> you? <laughs> if you go to that arena, I will go too. You'd better not come down to that arena and try to make trouble. I warn you, my friends won't be in any mood to listen to your sort of talk. I shall come! Father, I warn you not to. I shall come! Marcus, what's the matter with you? In spite of his father's threat, Marius reported the next day at the arena. The great stadium was filling rapidly, and as Marius and his fellow gladiators stood in their room waiting for the bugle to summon them to the arena, they heard the cries and mutters of the crowd above them. Listen to that crowd, Tertius. It's like a lot of wild animal snarling, eh? Oh, don't let the crowd get on your nerves, Marius boy. They always yell like that. It's my first time, Tertius. I suppose I'm all keyed up. Oh, take it easy. You're ready to go in. Sit down, make yourself comfortable. Like me! To work all that. I wish it was ready to start. I hate this waiting. Oh, take it easy, kid. Take it easy. Don't tighten up. And when you get out there, you're liable to get something you're not looking for. Ain't that right, Dramatus? I'll say it's right. Why they got a couple of big boys down there in a prison case that don't look like no cinch to me? Say! Dromedus, you think a couple of them got some fight in them? I tell you, they got a couple of bad-looking boys down there. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody in this room come back feet first. <laughs> <laughs>
Ah, oh, don't try and get this kid nervous. I'm not nervous, but I wish it would begin. He's not nervous, boy. The kid's not nervous. <laughs> oh, let the boy alone. You fellows all had a first time. Now give this boy an even break. Tedious if it would only begin. Boy, it won't get going till the Emperor comes. Then we all march out in double file and make the salute. Be sure to keep your head up. And when the Emperor takes the salute, we'll turn and make a line across the arena. You keep next to me, understand? Yes. Then they let the prisoners in. They line them up, one against each man of us. Then, when the horn blows, go after your man. You've got the advantage, because he's scared. Don't give him no chance to get set. Keep after him. And remember this, always try to get him against the wall where you can handle him. Don't try no fancy stuff the first time. Go in and finish him quick, see? Remember, if you don't get him, he'll get you. And that's the one thing you must not forget. I'll remember, Tertius. Who's there? Is this the room of the gladiators? Right, what do you want? I want to see Marius Andonicus. Well, he's here, so come in if you want to see him. Well, Marius, my son, I see you're all ready to fight. I am, Father. All ready. Well, gladiators of Rome, this is a brave business you have here. Yeah? Sure. Yes, 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 very brave. All of you, armed, armored, trained, and your adversaries. Given a sword, most of them they don't know how to use, and told to go out and die. Father, don't come here and... I told you I would come here. Say, look here, old fella. What's the idea of making all this disturbance? Go outside if you want to make noise. We don't want you. Marius, my son, I appeal to you for the last time to leave this room. Let the boy alone. Who are you to come here and tell him what to do? I'm his father, but I suppose that doesn't matter in the new realm. I'm an old soldier of the Legion, the old fighting ninth, that marched barefoot through the snow of Apenna and stormed the heights of Bartinus when the Gauls are numbered as eight to one. But I suppose that doesn't matter in the new realm. No, all that's forgotten, old stuff now. This business of yours is more important than carrying the eagle to the far corners of the world. Go on, Marius, my son. Go out there and fight in the new Roman way. Go out there and satisfy the bloodlust of that pack of jackals out yonder. But when you're out there, when you draw your sword, remember your father drew his against foes that did not dishonor him, that your father served an emperor and an empire, not a vulture. Feasted on carrion and ruling the land of jackals. Oh, look, it's treason! 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 I'll say my mind. What empire have you meant to serve? Rome is dead, I tell you. Dead! And your emperor, this Caesar of yours, what's he? Look at him when you go out there to slaughter for his amusement. See if he looks like a Caesar with his drooly lips and fat face and... Treason! Treason! Emperor! Or ten... Shun! And what were you saying about Caesar, fellow? Since you overheard me, sire, I have nothing to add. No, continue. Your remarks were very novel, entertaining. I'm more accustomed to flattery. Uh, what did you say about a vulture feasting on carrion? Were those not the words? I have no defense. Well, you're a valiant fellow. I think you should have a chance to show your value this afternoon. Sire? As I stood outside the door, quite fascinated by your flow of language, I heard something about how you marched against the Gauls when they outnumbered you eight to one. I did, sire. And very laudable, indeed. And to reward you for your valiant little comment on Rome and my imperial self, I shall give you a chance to do a little fighting in the arena. I am a soldier, sire. Not a gladiator. Who spoke of you being a gladiator? I think I shall give you the opportunity of joining our friends in the prison cage. Sire, I beseech you. My father is an old man. He's mad. He does not know what he says. Young man, even a madman should be more tactful. 
and I understand that nothing is more soothing and quieting to overrout a man like your father than six inches of steel through the breastbone. Guards, take this man in the prison cage. Sire, you can't mean it. You don't mean it. My father... Caesar has spoken. Bid the crowd make way. Make way. Make way for Caesar. Stand aside. Tertius, my father. You heard what he said. He's an old soldier of the Legion. I'm not going out. I can't, Tertius. He's my father, and I'll never draw my sword against him. From the room of the gladiators, the guard took Gracchus down the long stone corridors. The door was opened. Clang to. And the old soldier found himself within. In the corner, a dozen men kneeled quietly. Their faces bright with the courage of spiritual exaltation. In their midst, stood a cross rudely fashioned from two sticks. Forgetting his own danger, Gracchus watched a little group round the cross, fascinated. And as he watched them, they began to sing quietly. Then from the stone corridors outside the pen, Gracchus heard footsteps and turned to see through the bars the face of his son, Marius. Father, my son, my lad, give me your hand through these bars. Don't, lad. Death must be met. I shall not falter, nor must you. But I can't see you die this way. It's horrible. They're killing you for a few rash words. You, who have served the Empire. Not this Empire. Oh, Father, there may yet be a chance to save yourself. Recant your words. Let me try to reach the Emperor and tell him that you recant. Recant the truth? <laughs> Never. I'm too old for that. But it means death, Father. Even now I hear the tramp of the gods who come here. Marius, look yonder at those men by the cross. How calmly they kneel at the very threshold of death. No faltering there. Dying because they believe in some god who will be forgotten. Will he be forgotten? Listen, Marius. You think that Rome is great, that Rome will live. I tell you, Rome is dying. And when all the Caesars are forgotten dust, this faith shall rule the world of which no Caesar ever dreamed. An empire founded by one to whom I gave a cup of gall as he hung upon his cross. The Third Soldier, written by William Ford Manley, has been a production of the New Kingdom Radio Theater in Baltimore, Maryland, summer 2020. It was originally broadcast on January 8, 1928 for NBC's weekly half-hour broadcast series, Biblical Dramas. The cast includes J.V. Torres as Gracchus, Austin Beach as Antonius, Shannon Perry as Lustra, Skylar Torres as Marius, Levi Reed as Tertius, Brandon Richards as Dramatus, and Steve Fisher as the Emperor. Music by Kevin McLeod, Kai Engel, David Hillowitz, Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, 
T. Yankee, InspectorJ at freesound.org, and Royalty Free Zone. Thank you for listening. New Kingdom Radio Theater. Countdown for Blastoff. X minus 5. Minus 4. Minus 3. Minus 2. X minus 1. Fire. far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand would-be worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X Minus One. Tonight's story, Junkyard, by Clifford D. Simak. thing about the whole thing was that we'd never intended to land on Planet Nine. We circled it and decided it was strictly a low-grade affair. It wouldn't amount to anything for a billion years or so. As commander of the Galactic Survey Team, I couldn't waste my time on it. Then, my exec saw this junkyard through the telescope window. We landed, took a load of alien machine parts discarded by some other spaceship, and then prepared to take off for Earth. It had all been a waste of time. Engine room, McIver. This is Commander Warren. All secure? Yes, Captain. Very well. Countdown to blast off. Engine room ready. X minus five. Minus four. Minus three. Minus two. Minus one. Fire. Mac, what's wrong down there? Well, I, I... I don't know, Captain. Brady, get the data analyzer ready. We'll have to correct for a new takeoff time. It's the first time I've ever heard of engine failure before takeoff. Better before than after. Engine room? Yes, Captain. What's happening? You guys ready yet? No, Captain. Well, burn it, man. Get going. I want those engines started. Captain? What is it? I... I don't know quite what to say. Well, say something, or I'll have you busted. We can't start the engines, Captain. At least, I can't. Well, why not? I don't know. Fine, put Klein on. Lieutenant Klein. <sighs> Lieutenant, what is going on down there? Is there something wrong with the engines? No, Captain. I double-checked them. Well then, let's get them heated up, or we'll be on this godforsaken planet for the rest of our lives. We can't do it, Captain. Klein, suppose you tell me exactly why you can't start the engines. Can you do that? (coughs) Yes. All right. Why? Because, Captain. We can't remember how. What? Yes, Captain. We've forgotten how to start the engines. Lieutenant, report up here in one minute. Bring Dr. Spencer with you. All right, Brady, where have you got it? Got what, Iris? Don't play innocent. You and I have been doing planet surveys together for 15 years. You carry enough dead weight and grain alcohol with you to keep you happy for a million light years. Now, obviously the crew in the engine room have gotten into it. That's impossible. Where is it? I got a few fifths in my locker, but nobody's touched it. I checked a few minutes ago. Well, then somebody's got some in the engine room. Come in. Lieutenant Klein, Captain. I've brought Dr. Spencer as ordered. Hello, Doc. Did Klein here tell you what's going on? She did. How long will he take you to get these guys sobered up? Well, I can't. Why not? Because they're not drunk. I tested Klein in my office. Now, wait a minute, Doc. 
Are you trying to get me to actually believe that my crew, intergalactic engineers with years of interfusion experience, have forgotten how to start the engines of this ship? That's right. You, you're serious. Dead serious, Iris. Something, somehow, has caused them to forget how to start the engines. fit in perfectly with a lot of other annoying little things that have been happening to us ever since we put down on Planet Nine. It was to have been a routine exploration of a low-grade, uninhabited planet. <laughs> Some routine exploration. All right, Klein, listen to me. Do you have manuals aboard? Engineering manuals? Yes, Captain. Take the engine room crew and study those manuals. They'll tell you how to start the ship. Won't they? Yes, Captain. Okay, get going. Doc, I'd like you to stay here with Brady and me for a minute and report back to me, Klein. Okay, Doc, you're supposed to be an expert on space medicine. What is it? I've never seen anything like it, Iris. Brady? Search me, Captain. I've seen him with space blues, alien psychoses, the works. But I've never seen a disease that could make a crew forget how to start the engines. Maybe it isn't a disease. Okay. What then? Maybe it's a deliberate thing. You mean, they're faking? No, I, I know Klein and the others too well for that. Maybe there's some outside influence. Doc, we've surveyed this planet from top to bottom. We know there isn't a living cell on it. What about the junkyard? Oh. What junkyard? Oh, he means that rusty pile of space engine parts we found. The crew nicknamed it the junkyard. Well, he's right. Somebody put it there. Well, we know that another spaceship landed here. We know that from the blast marks on the rock. We know that for some unexplained reason, they took their engine apart and tried to put it back together again. We know they succeeded in building a much simpler engine, leaving a lot of spare parts. And we know that they took off. The blast-off marks tell us that too. What we don't know is whether or not they left somebody behind. Or something. What about the stone tower, Iris? The crew looked it over. It's just a pile of stones. They probably threw them together as a shelter while they were rebuilding their engine. Oh, that sounds too simple. I don't like that tower, Iris. Why not? I don't know. It's scary and had that black look about it. The smell of death. I felt it when I walked past with Klein and MacGyver. Ah, that's the Celt in you, Banshees and Spooks. I still don't like it. I need a drink. Skip it. We should be ready to blast off in a few minutes. Engine room. Engine room. What's going on down there? Engine room. Lieutenant Klein. Daddy? Is that you, Daddy? Did you bring me a present? Daddy, I'm Holy scared. Holy mackerel, that's Klein. She's gone off her rocker. Klein? Klein! Doc, I think we'd better get to that engine room. Now. examined Klein. He found her to have the mind and memory of a six-year-old. That's it, Iris! Something drained Klein of her memory. And that's about as much as I can tell you. That's a big help. Here's the manual she was reading. Well, at least we can follow this manual and get off this stinking planet. Hand it to me. Right here. Anything wrong, Iris? Is it all there? It's all here, Doc. This is the engine manual that tells all about the engine. How they operate, how, how to locate rubble, how to fix them, how to start them. Well, what is it then? You're, you're sweating like a pig. All of a sudden, I, I can't remember the symbols, Doc. I've forgotten how to read. I left the engine room and went out through the lock to stand on the outside platform of the ship. 
I looked over the junkyard where the metal of the rusted engine parts gleamed. There was a riddle there. A riddle we haven't been able to figure out. Why had an alien spaceship landed here, ripped out its engines, and then put together a simple, less efficient engine and taken off again? And they'd worked in an awful hurry, judging by the mess they left. Why? Why? Mind if I join you, Iris? No. Help yourself, Doc. How's Klein? Well, we've made her some toys and she's playing with them. I've, I've assigned Mac to make sure she doesn't hurt herself. Doc? Yes? Have you got any ideas on what's happening to us? Well, man experiences incidents. He, he gathers knowledge and knows emotions. Then, as he grows older, he begins to forget those experiences. Forget that knowledge. That's what life is. A long series of forgettings. Here on Nine, in some impossible way, the forgetting is speeded up. Well, it happens overnight. No, no, there's more to it than that. I'm going back to my cabin to try to get some rest. That you, Iris? It's me, bad ears. What gives? We're in a jam. There's been planets I wouldn't mind being marooned on, you know? But this ain't one of them. There's something here, Iris. I can feel it. Yes. I can feel it myself. Maybe we should have looked around more. Klein looked around. Klein was the one who found that tower. Pretty, that's right. She did. She said she didn't like it. She said it scared her. In the morning, bad ears, we'll go and see that tower. In the morning, I took Doc, MacGyver, and Brady with me, and we walked across the valley to the stone tower. It wasn't much of a tower, only eight or nine feet high, made of rocks piled one on top of another. Hmm, pretty solid, well-built and odd, a type F culture, I'd say. Has anybody bothered to look inside this thing? MacGyver, you were here with Klein yesterday. Yes, sir. We couldn't find a way in, Captain. Klein poked around, but gave up. Well, we'll make a way in. Stand back. I think I can shoot the top off it. Now that should be big enough for a man to lure himself into. Okay, fasten a rope around my shoulders. Uh, Captain. Yes? In case there's anything, well, dangerous, maybe I ought to go. After all, I'm survey engineer. MacGyver's right, Iris. Okay, Mac, your responsibility. Go for it. Yes, Captain. Just fasten the rope under my arms. Uh, that's it. Now, I'll climb up and lower myself in. If I pull twice, haul me out. One pull means okay. Give me a hand, Brady, huh? Hey, how about a quick shot of whiskey first? <laughs> Never touch it. All right, now. Uh, uh. Can you see inside? Black as a tomb. I'm going to lower myself. Pay out a little rope. Well, it's been lovely. Here we go. One tug. He's on the ground inside. I wonder what he's found. I still don't like it. Oh, Brady, there's probably not a thing in there except a few... Oh, there's two tugs, three... Come on, haul him out! You mean... Come on, just haul him out! Brady, pull him through the top! Right. Easy now, Mac. What the heck is in there anyway? Mac! Holy jumping asteroids. Doc, he's flipped. No, he... He hasn't lost his mind. He's just reverted to babyhood. We stood there, at the foot of the tower, stunned. 
MacGyver sat on the ground, happy as a clam, playing with his fingers and talking happy little nonsense syllables. Doc, take a look. If it's fright, his pulse will be way up. Now let me have your hand as a good boy. Good heavens. I've forgotten what the normal pulse rate is. Pulse? Doc, let's get out of here. Pulse? Brady, bring MacGyver back to the ship. Come on, let's get away from this tower. A few minutes later, Brady and I sat in the captain's quarters. He didn't do much talking, just sat and tipped his bottle to his lips ever so often. Well, at least we know in a general way what we're up against. Do we? We know there's been knowledge lost, important information forgotten. Check. Now, that memory, that lost skill, knowledge, went somewhere. Maybe there's something in that tower that takes it away. And I have a silly feeling we might just get it back. Have a drink. Bad ears, get a couple of crew. Volunteers. Now? Now. What for? We're going to find out what's inside that tower. We lowered an infrared movie camera into the tower. Took some pictures and went back to the ship for a look. There was something in there, all right. Now, as far as we can determine, the thing we photographed is shaped like a watermelon standing on end. The movement of the hairs all over it suggests vibrations, such as an antenna of an insect. Underneath are wires leading to terminals that seem to be plugged right into that thing. Do you think it's a form of life? Uh, my guess is a combination of living organism and machine. After all, man and machines work together. The, the difference here is that man retains his individual identity. Well, since it doesn't locomote, someone or something must have put it there. Exactly. It looks like some kind of communication organism. Well, if it is, it's a communication machine that's built to take in information rather than pass it along. <laughs> Do you really think that egg in there has been stealing our memory? Why not? Well, because it's too... it's too wild, that's why not. <laughs> well, it's no wilder than a lot of other things we've found. Say that that egg is a device for gathering knowledge. But there's no knowledge here to gather. I mean, how often does a ship land on an out-of-the-way melon like this? Wait a minute, Brady. Who says that knowledge has to be collected here? Huh? I said, why do we assume that knowledge has to be collected here on Planet Nine? We forget things back on Earth, don't we? Oh, good lord. Suppose you were some race setting out fish traps for knowledge and had plenty of time to gather it. Where would you put your traps? On a planet swarming with intelligent beings? Where the traps would be found and destroyed? Or their secrets snatched away? Or would you put them on some second-rate world where nobody would bother them? Good heavens, I'd pick a spot just like this. Let me fill in this picture, Doc. I think that some unknown race has been bent on trapping knowledge throughout the galaxy. Right? Iris, if what you say is true, if it is... That every time someone on Earth forgets something, it's because one of these eggs has drained it out of it. Well? It's too fantastic. Have you got a better guess? I'm afraid not. The question is, what do we do next? <sighs> if anybody gets near that egg, he winds up like some puking little baby. Now, you were pretty near it that first day. Did you forget anything? How should I know? I was too pleasantly lit up on grain spirits to know the difference. Well, the question is still, what now? I'm going outside to think. Iris? Yes? There is one thing to keep in mind. What is that, Doc? If those are memory traps, then there must be a way for somebody to empty them. And if we are ever going to get away from here, what's gone in has got to come out. I stood out on the platform of the ship and tried to make some sort of pattern out of it. 
forgetfulness. That was the key word. All through the galaxy, in every culture, there was forgetfulness. There were lots of learned theories, of course. Kinks in the brain, neuroses, data processing. But suppose they were wrong. Might it not be that forgetfulness was caused by thousands upon thousands of these memory traps? Planted throughout the galaxy, nibbling away at the conscious memory of all the sentient beings that lived among the stars. On Earth, a man forgets slowly because the traps are far away. But here, in their very shadow, a man forgets suddenly. And then another thought entered my mind. What kind of race had set these traps? How do they empty them? How? How? Brady? Huh? Where do you keep your liquor? What? Come on, where? It's in my locker. Get it out of there. All of it. Iris. That's a direct order. Okay. All of it. That it? Yeah. Never thought I'd see the day when you pulled rank on me, Iris. If you confiscate this stuff, so help me, I'll never forgive you. Who said anything about confiscating? Bad ears, have you really... <sighs> hung one on? I mean, just P.I. drunk? Well, let's see. Hmm. There was once on Mars, and, um, let's Was that uh... the worst? It was beautiful. It took me three days to sober up. They say I fought off the whole galactic patrol for hours. Well, do you think you've got enough here to get that polluted again? I got a pretty good supply, Iris. That's good. Because in one minute, I'm going to give you a direct order to hang on. The biggest, most monstrous drunk in the entire history of the universe. But first, you have to volunteer. I volunteer. No, 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 no. Not until I explain why I'm doing this. Iris, this sort of project don't need reasons. It's a pleasure. Let me finish. You know that egg up in the tower? Yeah. The minute you get near it, it grabs your mind. Wipes it clean. Yeah. And a lead space helmet doesn't shield you, as we saw with MacIver. Right. Now, Doc thinks this egg is a kind of communications thing. It must be. Okay. You're a communications man. What do you do when you can't shield a communication? Well, that's easy. You scramble it. Any fool knows... Holy mackerel. Exactly. Bravo! Are you still game? <laughs> Do you think it'll work? I don't know. I think it might. But suppose it doesn't. You're a babbling infant like Klein and MacGyver. At least you're happy, right? <laughs> if we don't stop that thing, it'll happen anyway. Unless we can remember how to start the engines, which... Okay, Iris. I'll do it. When do I start? Right now. Well, Iris, here's mud in your ever-loving intergalactic eyeballs. Ah. You know something? I'm beginning to like this mission already. doing, Iris, old buddy? <laughs> not drunk enough. I should have picked somebody like Doc, except he'd probably pass out. I'm not, not, I'm not drunk enough, huh? Old buddy pal. Not hmm. yet. Well then, in which case, old buddy, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do something I never like to have to do. What's that? I'm gonna have to go into my extra special reserve supply. A little supply I keep in case I get marooned on a planet, you know? <laughs> I don't like to go into it, but in this case, it's my duty. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech, a heck of an engineer. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a heck of an engineer. Woo! <laughs> Blast off! <laughs> okay. I guess you're ready. I'm what do you think, Doc? Rambling wreck from Georgia the most Tech. Amazing thing da, 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 I've heck seen. of an engineer. Rambling wreck from Georgia well, Tech and a heck of an engineer. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Okay, bad ears on your feet. I'm oh, a rambling wreck Let's from Georgia Tech. Let's go, bad ears. <laughs> rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. <laughs> oh, I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. <laughs> Somehow we pushed, hauled, and stumbled bad ears out of the ship and up the rocks to the egg tower. We erected a tripod with a block and tackle, passed a rope around Brady's chest, and hauled him over the entrance of the tower. There he swung, like some overstuffed pig singing raucously under the right. eerie moonlight. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Well, Rambling wreck what from do you Georgia say, Iris? Tech. Got the earphones on him so they can't slip off? They're on. Guess we're ready to lower him. Iris? Yeah? Are you sure it's a man's life? I'm not sure, Doc. But as commander of this expedition, I sometimes have to risk the lives of my men. Okay, Iris. Good luck, Brady. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. Rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. He's at the bottom, Iris. Bad ears, can you hear me? Put your hands out of my hair. This guy's got his hands in my hair, Iris. Then he must be picking at his brain. Brady! Brady! Listen to me! Do you see the egg? See it? It's my buddy, Iris. It's my little egghead buddy. You and me's buddy's egghead, right? He's got a bottle with him. He's pouring it on the egg. Brady! Brady! Listen to me. The wires. Wires? The lead wires you took in with you. Pull out the studs on the egg. Yeah. Pull out the studs on the egg and hook your wires to it. You got that? Yeah, I just, me and Egg here gotta have a drink. Good heavens, it's no use, Iris. He's too drunk to know what he's doing. I'll try again. Brady, listen. Your friend, the egg, can't hear you, see? He can't have a drink with you until you hook your wires into it. You got that? He can't have a drink until you hook your wires into him. Sure. That's an awful thing. That's dreadful. Okay, okay. What's he doing, Doc? You getting any impulses? Not a thing. Maybe we better haul him out. If he starts to sober up... Maybe we'd better. Okay. One, two... Wait, wait a minute, wait. I'm getting something. This is fantastic. Pull him out quick. Right. Come on. Ramblin' wreck from Georgia Tech. Yeah, rambling, rambling, rambling. Brady. Brady, you all right? Doc, help me take a look at him. Is he okay? Yes, he's, he's okay. He just passed out. Let's get him back to the ship. Right. You know what, Iris? What? Tomorrow, about 9 a.m., we're going to be in on the most colossal hangover in the history of mornings after. Doc Spencer had bargained for. More than any human being had any business being in on. Oh. Well, Brady, how do you feel? Shoot me. You turned the trick. Trick. The tower you hooked into the egg. The stuff is rolling out now. The boys have got a recording hooked up. The stuff they're listening in on is enough to set your teeth on edge. What stuff? The information that Mind Trap has been collecting for hundreds of years. It will take us years for us to sort it out. But we are getting some of it straight already. Any of our own stuff? Plenty. Anything on engines? 
Well, not on our engines. So? We got the dope on the junkyard anyway. Mac and the boys are hoping to put something together so we can rip out our own engines and just keeping some of the parts. Another junkyard, huh? Another junkyard. The engine we're building now is superior to anything ever built. Pretty handy little gadget, that egg. Only one thing. What's that? Tell Doc. If he comes across a good hangover remedy to let me know. Oh. about six days to assemble the new engines using some of our parts and some of the advanced designs from the junkyard. During most of that time, Doc Spencer sat down at the tower with a set of headphones monitoring the information from the egg. He was like a man possessed. I didn't think anything unnatural was happening until the night of the sixth day. Well, that does it. The boys have got the engines ready for blast-off. We should be able to lift her by tomorrow morning, huh? We're blasting off in exactly one minute. What? In exactly one minute. But Iris, Doc and some of the techno boys are down monitoring that egg. I know it. Well, it'll take them 20 minutes to get back into the ship with all that equipment. They're not getting back. Huh? I said they're not getting back. Iris, are you nuts? Come here, bad ears. I want you to take a look through this field scope. You can get a good close-up of the Doc and the boys who have been monitoring that egg for days. Wait until I get it focused. Got him? Yeah. Take a close-up. Mother in heaven! You see why we have to leave them here? Those faces! They're like... like some kind of beast! The same thing that must have happened to the last crew that touched down here. The same thing that made them blast out of here in such a tearing hurry. What? Bad ears. There isn't only knowledge in that. Those boys are monitoring something else. Something else? Personalities, bad ears. They're not human anymore. They're turning alien. They were still there when the ship roared up from Planet Nine and pointed her silver nose toward Earth see them in the scopes. A group of tiny figures crouched over the recording equipment, their headphones plugged into the egg. They didn't even look up when we blasted off. They were no longer human now. They were something else. Something a million light years old and of another world. You have just heard X-1, presented by the Mutual Audio Network in partnership with the Amigos Collective and Electric Vicuna Productions, in a tribute to the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. Tonight by transcription, X-1 has brought you Junkyard, a story from the pages of Galaxy, written by Clifford D. Simak, and adapted for radio by George Lefferts, with additions from Jack J. Ward. Transcribed by Sandy Mail. Starring in tonight's play, Tonya Milojevic as Warren, Lothar Tuppen as Brady, Jeff Billard as Spencer, John Bell as McIver, and Jan Deiter as Klein. This story was originally broadcast on February 22, 1956. This reproduction of this classic tale does not in any way assume ownership or intend copyright infringement of the original material. This is Lothar Tuppen for the Mutual Audio Network and the Amigos Collective. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. 
And that's this week's performance from the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, features, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their respective copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society and a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network and any shows that continue their run must receive express permission from all parties involved. And this is our last Summerstock performance for this season, so please join Jack and myself next week as we begin Season 17 of the Sonic Society. I've been your host for The Playhouse, David Alt. Have a wonderful week and good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Every other week, right here on Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network, you get a brand new episode of Bells in the Bat Free, for which we apologize. However, if for some reason you can't get enough Bells in the Bat Free, and after you've asked a professional therapist for help, head over this way on Fridays. Friday Follies has all the old Bells in the Bat Free, going back to 2006, you know, back in the prehistoric days when it sounded like this to get on the internet. <laughs> anyway, if you want to catch the old ancient bells in the bat free, catch it on Friday Follies right here on the Mutual Audio Network. And we apologize in advance for that as well. There are many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, Consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov and... Be well, everyone.